So continuing with the reboot and remake theme, this next Mediascope brief is talking about something that the Paramount Network, which is right now Spike TV, and Paramount TV are trying to get together. Paramount Network, which is currently Spike, and Paramount Television have tapped Girls Trip co-writer Tracy Oliver to write The First Wives Club. Yeah, remember that movie from 1996 with Bette Midler, Goldie Hawn, and the like? Yeah, well... That's going to be a series. So it's going to be a half-hour TV series based off of the film. And the reboot was originally developed and picked up to pilot by TV Land last year with a different writer. So the network passed on the pilot, but the project was kept alive and moved to the Paramount Network for redevelopment. It's slated to debut in January, just, yeah, this January, January 18th actually, as Viacom's leading scripted cable brand. Also took in a newly picked up TV Land series, Heathers, remember from the movie Heathers with uh, Johnny Depp, and American Woman, which will be part of the network's inaugural slate. Lots of things on tap for the Paramount Network. This marks Par Network, the Paramount Network's first collaboration with sibling production company, Paramount Television. The first Wives Club series, like the film, which starred Diane Keaton, Bette Midler, and Goldie Hawn, will be based in New York City and follow a group of women who band together after their marriages fall apart and find strength in their sisterhood and, of course, a little revenge. Karen Rosenfeld from The Twilight Saga and The Devil Wears Prada also executive produced the TV Land pilot and is executive producing this one. Very interesting. All I have to say is you better not mess it up. <laughs> That's my whole thing about reboots and remakes and sequels. Don't mess it up. So let me know. What do you think? Are you clamoring for a First Wives Club series? It may be very timely or may not be very timely. In any case, I know that this is one of the greatest times to be a t content producer. So we'll see if this holds its water. But the news is that the Paramount Network, together with Paramount TV, is planning a reboot of the First Wives, Wives Club in the way of a half-hour series. Okay, cheers. Now on from television and entertainment to a little bit of tech. Welcome to another Mediascope Brief. Bumble is a dating app where only women can send the first message. Well, they're branching out of the hookup game and into the hookup with a job game, according to Select All. Today, Bumble announced a new networking feature called Bumble Biz. It's available in the US, Canada, and the UK, France, and Germany, and people can use Bumble Biz to create a resume-styled resume profile and swipe through other users looking for career opportunities. Bumble Biz exists within the original app, but as a secondary feature that users can opt to use. It's similar to Bumble BFF, Bumble's friend-finding feature, which has historically not worked super well. In keeping with the app's origin, women have to send the first message. This is nullified in conversations, though, between two women. Business or not, Bumble Biz is still a Tinder swiping-esque app, which means you're going to need a decent or groan-inducing, if that's your game, opening line to seal the deal. So here are a few to get you started according to Select All. For a job in finance, you can't spell mutual fun without mutual fun. For a job in media, I'd like to manage your content system. 
For a job in tech, want to talk personal hotspots? And for a job in data analytics, let me spread your sheets. Oh, Lord. Insert several winking emoji here. (laughs) Anyway, you might want to just stick to networking the old-fashioned way, asking someone out on a proper date, buying a round of drinks, and then pivoting the conversation to how you are totally using them because you want a new job. (laughs) Well... It's available now if you are a Bumble user and they're trying to become the new LinkedIn. Will they succeed? Let me know what you think. Is this a way to go by women initiating the conversations about job seeking and job opportunities? Let me know what you think. I'll be here waiting. Cheers. Next Media Scope Brief talks about social media and some ethical implications. Dr. Michael Saltzauer is a board-certified plastic surgeon based out of Florida, Miami to be exact, exact, my neck of the woods. And you may never have heard of him, but you may have heard of his Snapchat alter ego at The Real Dr. Miami. He's known as Dr. Miami. So Dr. Miami has reached up to thousands of followers and millions of views by giving his fans an inside look at his work. So he was actually also included, he's been included on a list of 101 Snapchatters to follow, etc. He's boisterous, sometimes, sometimes graphic, uh, and his stories are posted by a social media assistant who joins him in the operating room. Patients whose procedures are filmed and shared give consent beforehand, according to Vanity Fair, uh, that about two-thirds of his patients will opt in. But the rise in surgery as a social media entertainment um, platform has raised a larger debate amongst those in the medical community. Is it ethical for doctors to bring Snapchat and Instagram into the OR? Would you want a doctor snapping your butt lift, Brazilian butt lift? Just saying. So if you ever, you can go and find him on uh, Instagram and see his stories and it's really pretty graphic. So a team from Northwestern in a paper published recently by Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery say absolutely not. While filming a consenting patient isn't against the American Medical Association rules, the new paper argues that it isn't in the best interest of the patients. The first author is Robert Dorfman and he explains, quote, When surgeons are dancing in the operating room, people may misperceive surgery as this lighthearted event, yet there are risks associated with going under the knife, such as infection, excessive bleeding, or possibly blood clots. The videos may be giving some people false illusions of what surgery is actually like. And senior author Dr. Clark Sherrill, a plastic surgeon who teaches at Northwestern, called the social media medical business a circus, saying there is increasingly vulgar content by a growing number of plastic surgeons that is not in the best interest of the patient. Another of Cheryl's studies notes that all of the plastic surgery content posted on Snapchat, of all of it, only 18% of it comes from board-certified surgeons, which might make you think twice about turning to Snapchat rather than watching nip-tuck reruns to satisfy your scalpel cravings. So what do you think about this? If the patient gives consent, do you think it's okay? Are you influenced or do you know anybody who has been influenced by watching surgeries or on Snapchat or social media in general? Or even, let's take it old school a little bit, TV. What do you think? I'm interested to know your thoughts. Let me know. I'll be here waiting. Cheers.
Welcome back everyone to another Mediascope Brief and I have some breaking news that is sad. Tom Petty, the dynamic and iconoclastic frontman who led the band The Heartbreakers, died today, Monday. He was found unconscious, not breathing, and in full cardiac arrest at his Malibu home Sunday night, according to Rolling Stone and TMZ, and rushed to the hospital and placed on life support. EMTs were able to find a pulse when they found him, but TMZ reported that the hospital found no brain activity when he arrived, and the decision was made to pull life support. CBS confirmed Petty's death. He was 66, a young man actually. So if you're not familiar, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers recently completed a summer tour last Monday with three nights at the Hollywood Bowl, and this trek marked the band's 40th anniversary and found him playing rarely played deep cuts like their first album's opener, Rockin' Around With You, and a selection of Wildflowers cuts. It was intended to be his last trip around the country, and he told Rolling Stone, though this wasn't his intention to quit playing. I needed something to do, or I tend to be a nuisance around the house, he said. So that is the news, unfortunately, and he has a bit of ties to the state I live in. He was born in Gainesville, Florida, son of an insurance salesperson or salesman on October 20th, 1950. And he quit high school at the age of 17 to join Southern rock group Mud Crutch, which was taking off at the time. Later on, of course, he was with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. So he will be missed your musical gifts to the world are quite appreciated. Well done. That's the news. Tom Petty, the rock iconoclast who led the Heartbreakers, dies at the age of 66. I hope you're well. Cheers. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. So simply because I talk all about media tech and pop culture news does not mean that I'm immune to the effects of other types of news or that I don't pay attention to other types of news. I absolutely do. And in keeping with that, I definitely have to send thoughts and prayers out to the families and to the country because of the horrific events that took place in Las Vegas last night. It's unfortunate that this seems to be becoming, unfortunately, a way of life for us in the U.S. where violence is normalized. No matter how many times it happens, it's never normal and we should never normalize it. But despite all of this, I still think that we need to keep our heads up and keep our heads to the sky. And because of that, I wanted to play Earth, Wind & Fire's Keep Your Head to the Sky. Cheers. It's about that time for a caller you say what the segment where I take listener call-ins and respond to them and you know I love when you call in so keep the calls coming. Monica at Unreal Radio has called in about the First Wives Club reboot. Let's hear what she has to say about this. Hey Tachi, it's Monica with Unreal Radio. I loved the First Wives Club. I, if I looked hard enough, I could probably find my movie stub from, from when I was uh, younger, 1996. I was, I was in college. Um, no, I do. I saved, I actually, oh, I know where it is. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's going to be awesome. Um, I'm going to go find it. I loved the first wives club and I just have a question. Why do they keep doing this, Tachi? 
It started in 2000, and it hasn't stopped. Can no one create original content anymore? I mean, I'm trying to smile through this, but really, what you describe the TV show will be like is the movie. So, I mean, what am I missing? And again, why? Why? <laughs> why? Monica, thanks for your call in. How cool is that, that you still can actually locate where your ticket stub for the First Wives Club was? And I actually enjoyed the movie as well in 1996. So to answer your question, why, or why the hell don't they do something new, fresh, and innovative? Um, I could say because that would be too easy and too much like right, but there's a deeper reason than that. Hollywood and the media industry likes to work with who they already know and stories that they already know. So even though they purport themselves as wanting fresh and new, they want what they know is going to make money. The First Wives Club made money the first time around. Why wouldn't it make money as a series or as a, you know, a remake of the movie updated? That happens all the time. If there's a story that they can update in some way, they'll go with that because they know or they think they know what it's going to do sales-wise. And at the end of the day, this industry is all about money. It is about creativity, but only insofar as the creativity makes money. So that's what you have to remember, and that's why they're doing this. And you know this because you, you understand this industry as well. Um, so I'm preaching to the choir. But the bottom line with the industry is they want what makes money, this made money before, so they think they can replicate it in such a way that it will make money again. They're a little more leery of putting money into something that's fresh and new, with fresh and new writers and directors that they don't know are going to do anything. There are very few of the established that will take that chance. Although now, because you've got competition from the Netflixes, the Amazons, and the Hulus of the world who are going with fresh and new, who are going with faces that the audience may not be familiar with, and they're having success, now the quote-unquote majors or the old establishment is having to take a look and see what's what. So, I don't know. We'll see. Although, this is um, different because this is going to... Um, I can't remember what network this is going to be on or where oh sorry is this paramount yes paramount network so this is going to be on paramount and they're trying something fresh and new even though it was spike so we'll see what happens hopefully that was a good enough manufactured answer to satisfy your query and i appreciate you for calling in monica cheers guys Hey everyone, I know that some of you may be wondering, well, how can I reach this wonderful human being off of Anchor? Just kidding. Anyway, some of you may be wondering if you can reach me off of Anchor, and you absolutely can. For example, you have story ideas for Mediascope, or you're interested in dropping a line for TV channeling, the podcast I do with Kevin No Malone, or you just want to reach me about some other stuff. I would absolutely love to hear from you. Reach me on Twitter at Tachiata, T-A-C-H-I-A-D-A. You can also find me on Periscope at Tachiata, also on Snapchat on, at Tachiata. Instagram, a little bit different. I'm Dr. Underscore Tachi 
on Instagram. So some form of Tachi or Tachiata, you can find me everywhere. Um, if you want to reach me on Facebook, go to the Mediascope Facebook page and you can easily reach me that way. So several different ways to reach me. No excuse not to contact me. Hope you're well. Stay tuned for some more Mediascope briefs.